Welcome to the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. I'm your host, Brooklyn, and I'm sharing how unconscious reprogramming helped me eliminate my own misophonia after more than 20 years of suffering. I'm also sharing how I support my clients using the same tools and modalities to help them lessen trigger sounds, alleviate the suffering they experience from misophonia, and create more joy in their lives. My degree in communication, coupled with my training and certification in working with the unconscious mind, creates a coaching environment with a unique approach to get you results. So with that being said, let's dive into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. If you haven't already gotten your free digital download of the 26 Strategies for Misophonia Relief Guidebook, you are going to want to go to the show notes, click that link, and download your free copy. And today I I want to dive into the guidebook a bit more because this thing is absolutely amazing. Like when I say it's such a valuable resource, I'm not kidding. And I sent an email recently to those who, who've gotten the guidebook, essentially saying like, I understand that this, it's like 48 page guidebook could potentially be seen as overwhelming. And that can be seen as a good thing because imagine if I told you that this was like such an amazing, valuable resource and then you opened your email and it was just like a one page checklist of stuff for you to try, that wouldn't be fulfilling the the hype that I've created around, around this resource. And at the same time, I don't want this thing to be so overwhelming, so detailed that you're too intimidated to even implement anything in the guidebook. So if you're someone who you've downloaded the guidebook, but you haven't really looked at it yet, or you're not sure where to start, that's what we're going to talk about on today's podcast episode. And if you haven't gotten the guidebook yet, this is your reminder, go to the show notes, download your copy and follow along with us today to get a jump start in the best way to use it in the best place to start. So that is what we're talking about today. So again, if you haven't already, go to the show notes, click the link, download your free digital copy. Hey there, I am so excited to share that I am finally an affiliate for Loop Earplugs. I genuinely wholeheartedly love these earplugs and let me tell you why. Loop earplugs allow you to block out or cut the intensity of certain noises without completely blocking them out. And why this is useful is because it allows you to get gentler exposure to these noises so you can actually implement the rewiring and reprogramming processes without completely overwhelming and frying your nervous system. And there's also a quiet mode or a quiet version that you can get that blocks out even more sound for those days when like you're really just over it. And I personally love the switch version in particular. They're a bit more expensive, but they're absolutely worth it because you can switch between three noise reduction levels depending on the environment that you're in. So if you're just wanting light filtering, you can do that. If you're at a louder event or maybe struggling a bit more that day, put it in the middle. And if you're really wanting complete relief, switch it to the quiet mode. I shared about my experience with this in a previous podcast episode called Recovering from Triggers Faster. I was at an event in California and in the room, there were about 900 people and it was just constantly 
loud. It was just an uproar of noise because you have 900 people packed into one room. I remember one of the days at the conference, I popped in just one of those earplugs on the lowest setting for about an hour. And it really gave me the break and the reset that I needed to be fully engaged for the rest of the weekend. I also used them when we went to this dancing club in Michigan, when we were in the bar area, I had them on the lowest setting. And then when we actually went on the dance floor, I turned them up to the next level to get even more hearing protection. Even if you're someone who doesn't experience misophonia, this is still an amazing earplug to always have with you. So whether you go to sporting events, live music events, you want to protect your hearing. If you're someone who at work, you're not allowed to listen to music or have an earplugs. When you have them on the lowest setting, you can still hear and interact with the world around you, which means you can get some of that relief and still be able to perform the function of your job, which is something that you really can't do with those traditional foam earplugs. Like I said, I just love them. I definitely recommend them. And also it's important to do your own research and make sure that this is the right product for you. And if you do purchase them and you don't love them, they have a really amazing return policy. I think you get up to a hundred days to return them if they aren't the perfect solution for you. Check out the show notes. You can click the link to shop through my affiliate link. If you do purchase through that link, I will receive a small percentage of that sale. It's an amazing way to support this podcast, which is provided to you absolutely free. So again, click the link in the show notes and now back to the show. Okay. So let's dive into the guidebook. Where is a good place to start? Well, believe it or not, I recommend starting with strategy number one in the guidebook, which is shift from victim mindset to neutral observer. So it's no surprise that I've outlined a work, outlined the guidebook in the way that I find is helpful to implement these things. So simply just starting with number one. And I know that when you are really, really hoping for relief. Maybe you've tried so many things and you didn't get results. And then you get a guidebook like this with so many strategies. It can be tempting to try to implement them all at once as quickly as you can. And that leads to this overwhelm burnout where you end up just putting the guide away and never opening it again. That's not what I want for you. I want you to actually implement these strategies and get the results that I know are coming to you when you actually implement this resource. So as tempting as it may be, I really encourage you to do just one thing at a time. Really work with that one strategy and then you can start to implement more of them, but not trying to do 10, 15, 26 plus things at a time. So what I really recommend starting with is strategy number one. So as I said, this is shifting from victim mindset to neutral observer. So all I am suggesting that you do is just becoming an observer of your thoughts, not deciding if your thoughts are good or bad, positive or negative, useful or not useful, just simply becoming an observer of your thoughts. So for example, if you are sitting in a doctor's waiting room and someone makes a trigger noise and a thought comes to you of, oh my gosh, this person is so disgusting your initial judgment might be, what's wrong with me? Why do I think that? Or you might, maybe it's the other way. Maybe it's like, yeah, seriously, like why are, like how do they not realize how disgusting they are? Maybe you follow that, that thought spiral. And so I'm not asking you to interrupt that thought and say, oh, this one's bad, I need to change this or I need to think something else. 
I'm simply just suggesting that you become aware of these thoughts. Because we think thousands of thoughts every single day and the majority of them, we don't even realize that we're thinking them. We don't even realize that we have them. It's just playing automatically in the background. So when we can shift and become an observer of them, then once we get into the habit of just noticing these things without placing any kind of meaning on them, then once we get comfortable with this, now we can decide, okay, are these thoughts actually useful? But it's difficult to do that if you don't first know what thoughts you're having. So like I said, we, we have thousands and thousands of thoughts every day. And if the majority of those thoughts are negative or not serving you, then how do you ever expect to get better? So it really starts with becoming an observer of the thoughts that you experience. So when you are triggered, do you start to notice that you have some of the same thoughts each time? Or do the thoughts differ with different triggers? Do you have the same thoughts no matter who is triggering you? Or is it different with a loved one than it is with a stranger? So just becoming aware and more familiar with how your mind is thinking, how your mind is processing information. And perhaps starting with just shifting these thoughts, once you become aware of them, just shifting them to something that's a bit more neutral. So for example, if you find yourself thinking, oh my gosh, this person is so annoying or this person is so disgusting, what is something that's not necessarily positive or negative, but just something more neutral that you could replace this thought with? So rather than this person is so disgusting, could you from a bird's eye view look down and, and see, oh, this person just made this sound or this person just made a sound. So you're not judging the thought. You're not saying, oh, yes, this is right or wrong or this is something better. You're just inserting something that might be a bit more neutral and you're just allowing your mind to detach from the meaning that it's associating with this person and the sound that they've made. So once you start to become an observer of these things and maybe you notice some patterns, maybe you notice words that you frequently use, as you become more familiar, then you can move into strategy number two, which is dismissing the thoughts that aren't useful. So again, we are still not deciding if the thoughts that you're having are right or wrong, if they're true or false. We are just deciding, is this thought useful for me? So part of deciding if it's useful or not is knowing what your end goal is. So in reference to misophonia, if your end goal is to be unbothered by these sounds or to notice them less or to be at ease, to be calm around them, maybe to just not really notice them at all, if that is your goal, then is this thought that you're having, is it helping you to get closer to that goal? Is it moving you further away or is it just neutral? So for example, if you have that thought in the waiting room of, oh my gosh, this person is disgusting, is that thought, again, not right or wrong, not bad or good, is that thought useful if your end goal is being less bothered by noises? Probably not. Is it moving you closer to that goal or further away? I'd argue that this thought is moving you further away. 
And oftentimes those thoughts, we tend to repeat them. They, te they tend to come up again and again because these thoughts are encouraging some kind of action. So when you're feeling disgust, for example, your, your mind is creating this emotion within you. Again, not because it wants you to feel bad or good, not because it wants you to have an opinion on this person who's making the noise, but because it's trying to push you toward an action that it thinks is in your best interest. So in this case, feeling disgust, it might be to get you to ask that person to stop. It might be to give them a dirty look so they get the message like, hey, stop doing that. It might even be to leave the, the environment, to leave the room. It might be to put in earplugs. It's different for, for everyone. But mind is creating this because it's trying to get you to do something. Now, consciously, we can see that giving into that pattern or following that pattern isn't actually serving us in the way that mind thinks it is. But unconscious mind is very much just going on you know, it's just operating in survival mode. It's not using logic. It's not using rational thinking. So again, we're not deciding, is this thought bad or good? We're simply deciding, okay, this person's disgusting. Is that actually useful? If my goal is to be less bothered by sounds and the people that sounds make, probably not. And so we can dismiss this thought which is something that we have talked about on this podcast before. And this is actually an exercise that I, I learned about on in a training with Jim Fortin and kind of added some, some spice and some flavor to make this specific for the misophonia community. So if we've decided that a thought is not serving us, again, not bad or good, not true or false, don't care about that. We're just focused on if it's useful or not. If it's not, I want you to literally slam, well, figuratively, slam the door closed on those thoughts one by one. Because again, mind wants you to take an action, right? In this case, let's say it's causing disgust in you to get you to leave the room. Mind is gonna send that thought again and again and again until you either tell mind, hey, this thought isn't serving me. I'm not gonna do this thing. There's nothing that I need to do here. Or it's gonna keep sending it again and again and again until you take the action that it's trying to get you to take, which is asking the person to stop, putting in earplugs, leaving the room. You have the power though to tell your mind, I am dismissing this thought. Do not bring this to my attention again. This is not worth my time. You have that power. So that thought, when it pops up, oh my gosh, that person's disgusting. You can tell mind that's not worth my time or that's not useful and slam the door shut on those thoughts. If you're a visual person and you can see, you know, visuals when you close your eyes or you can imagine, you can see that door slamming closed on that thought. If you're an auditory person, hear the sound of the door slamming. If you are a kinesthetic person, you can literally move your hand, like wave your hand from left to right or right to left. The motion you would make if you were slamming a door. Maybe you do all three things at once. That's what I do. When I'm dismissing thoughts that aren't useful, I see the door closing, I hear the door closing, and I make the movement with my hand. And I say, I'm dismissing this thought. This is not useful to me. This is not worth my attention. And what you're doing is you're showing mind, I'm not interested in this thought. I'm not taking this action. We are okay. We are safe here. We do not need to do anything about this thought. We do not need to take action on this thought. This is a really good start in getting control 
over the thoughts that are coming up for you on autopilot. We are not necessarily choosing our thoughts. In fact, the large majority of them, they're just coming to us. Sometimes we have a thought and we're like, I don't even know where that came from. Like right now, a thought just popped into my mind of a spider wearing roller skates. Where the hell did that come from? I don't know. I didn't choose to think about a spider wearing roller skates. I was just talking about random thoughts that come to us and that's what my mind created. And it's reminding me, I think of that Harry Potter movie where Ron Weasley, I think, doesn't he like imagine a big spider and roller skates or something like that? So I'm not choosing to think these thoughts. These are literally just coming to me. And as they come to mind, like let's say that I'm in a conversation with my soon to be husband, Doug, and we're talking and I have this random thought come in about a spider wearing roller skates. I can choose to then share that thought with him or I can be like, hey mind, this is not worth my attention. Like we're focusing on Doug right now. And I can slam the door shut on that thought and remind my mind, hey, we're focusing on Doug and what he has to say. So you get to start exercising this decisiveness and this control over your own thoughts so that you can allow more of the useful thoughts to flood into your mind, the thoughts that are gonna be serving you and start to limit and start to reduce the thoughts that are not serving you. And again, this is just step one and two of this amazing guidebook. There are even more, there's just a rabbit hole that you can go down with this guidebook. There are even more ways to observe, interpret, and shift the thoughts that you're having to be something that are more useful for you. And this is a good place to start. So again, if you've received this guidebook and you're like, I don't even know, like this is way too much, this is overwhelming, just start with strategy one. And then once you get a good feel of of starting to observe your thoughts without necessarily evaluating them, so just being a neutral observer, then go into strategy two. Start dismissing the ones that aren't useful. Once you feel comfortable with that, go into strategy three, go into strategy four, then into five and six and seven. And as you go through the guidebook, take note of what is most useful for you. So if you do a strategy like three or four times and you're like, "Ah, this just isn't working for me, this isn't resonating with me, that's okay. You get to decide what works and you ditch the rest. There are 26 plus strategies inside this guidebook. And if all of them are helpful for you, amazing. And if all of them aren't helpful, That makes a lot of sense. I didn't design this guidebook imagining that you would love and enjoy and use every single strategy. It is a map and you are the guide. So you can use this as a resource and also you get to decide where you're going. You get to decide which turns to take, which route to follow. You get to implement this guidebook in the way that makes the most sense for you. And like I said, I really recommend starting with strategies one and two. So thank you for hanging out with me today on this episode. And again, if you haven't already, go to the show notes, get this guidebook. It is, I'm just so excited about it. Like I said, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of work went into like going into my brain and fishing out the most effective strategies that I've used for myself, that I use with my clients and putting them together in a collection that is designed to be easy enough for you to follow and implement to get results. And I'm just, I'm so, so, so excited about it. So make sure you go to the show notes, get your free copy, and I will catch you in the next episode.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. I couldn't do this without your support, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Doing so helps others find this podcast and start their journey to relief too. And of course, if you'd like to continue working with me, always check the show notes for the latest updates on the programs I offer, and you can visit rewiremisophonia.com. Catch you in the next episode.